turn to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3, and this is the story of the three Hebrew boys that were thrown into the fiery furnace. And we've already looked at it from, from different angles. We know that they didn't burn up, right? We know that they were in the fire and they came out and they didn't even have the smell of smoke on them, okay? Let me say it this way. The furnace of fire was not fatal, For Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Can you guys follow that? It didn't kill them. The furnace of fire was not fatal. Let me give you two truths really quick. Everyone will face at least one furnace of fire in their lifetime. And I'm not talking about a difficult situation. I'm talking about a furnace. I'm not even talking about a fire or a little flame. I'm talking about a furnace of fire. Something that is so difficult that you don't know if you're going to make it. Spiritually, emotionally, maybe even physically. We heard some testimonies. You know, I'm sure it felt like the furnace of fire when Jason had that seizure, right? Maybe your, your mother, Laura, felt like it was a furnace of fire for her life to considerably change. It felt like a furnace of fire. Everyone is going to go through one. You can't escape it. You can't escape that, that uh, furnace that's been heated up seven times the normal heat. It's going to happen in your life. That's one truth. But here's the other truth. The flames do not have to be fatal. Can I get an amen? The flames don't have to to kill you. They don't have to be fatal. Isaiah 40 verse 31 says that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Everyone say faint. Proverbs 24 10 says if you faint everybody listen to me. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. That's what it says. So Isaiah tells us that we will run, not grow weary. We will walk and not be faint because we'll have our strength renewed. Here in the Proverbs, it says, if you do faint in the day of adversity, well, that's simple. Your faith is small. I want to go ahead and give you my sermon in the sentence tonight. So write this down. The fiery furnace will only be fatal if your faith is already faint. When the day comes when you are in that place that's seven times harder than anything you've ever experienced, it will be fatal if your faith is already faint. If your faith is already faint, if there's not a strength in your faith. So the question is, and and I'll try to move through all this quickly as I can, but how do you know if your faith is big enough? How do you know as a believer you're walking through life and you know that at some point a furnace of fire is going to come out of nowhere maybe? How do you know if your faith is big enough? How do you know if your faith is strong enough to withstand the day of adversity? These are some of the reasons we're going through the book of Daniel because we're learning a lot about how to function in the days of evil that are coming even ahead uh, in the end times even. Let's look at Daniel 3. I'm going to read super fast. How many of you can handle it? You can handle it. Okay, then I'll do it. Daniel chapter 3. We're actually going to read this, this whole chapter. So hang on. It's going to be fast. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, the height of which was 60 cubits and its width was 60 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the uh, province of Babylon. 
Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent word to assemble all the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, all the rulers of the province to come to the dedication of this image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then these leaders, all these rulers of the province were assembled for the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up and they stood before the image. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, To you the command is given, O peoples, nations, and men of every language, that at the moment you hear the sound of the music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar has set up. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. Check this out. A lot of people miss this. A lot of people think they know this story kind of by memory, and they think that, um, that the furnace of fire was this random punishment that Nebuchadnezzar put on the people that didn't bow down. It was actually stated beforehand. Okay, so these guys, and you'll see this, but they knew that that was one of the uh, consequences for not bowing down to this image is that there would be thrown into the fire. It tells them right there. Um, Therefore, at that time, when all the people hear the sound of the music, they are to fall down, worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. Okay, now look up here. Last week, we looked at chapter 2 when Nebuchadnezzar had a crazy dream. And Daniel, God gave Daniel the ability to interpret that dream. We didn't actually look at the dream or its interpretation because it's long and full of details and it it didn't necessarily support the point of that sermon. But the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, that Daniel interpreted, was about a single, it says a single great statue made of several different materials. So Nebuchadnezzar had a dream about this big giant single statue. The interpretation of that dream given to Daniel had to do with different kingdoms that would rule in the future. Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar's rule would end, and then another king would, kingdom would rise up, and then another, and then another, and then another. Even this dream even had to do with the kingdom that would rule in the last days, in the end times, the kingdom that Jesus himself would raise up, the kingdom of God, and conquer all the other kingdoms upon the earth. Here in chapter 3, you got to see this, this flow. <laughs> Here in chapter 3, and, and by the way, Nebuchadnezzar was, was so excited about um, someone that could interpret the dream. And he even promoted Daniel, if you remember what we talked about. But then you get into chapter 3, and the next thing you see is old Nebi builds this massive golden statue. And, and most believe it was probably even kind of of himself. Now, why would he do that? Doesn't that just seem like, Nebi, or have you lost your mind? Which, in chapter 4, next week, Melissa will talk about, turns out he did lose his mind. But anyway, we'll get there. So it stands to reason that this statue that he built was his attempt to control his own destiny. Think about it. The dream interpretation was that you're not always going to rule. Babylon will not always be the conquering kingdom. It will all go to pot. And Jesus is the one that's going to reign upon the earth forever over all kingdoms. And he will destroy them all. Okay, so this is his way of controlling his own destiny, but also the destiny of Babylon itself. It's like Nebuchadnezzar, by setting up this image, was saying, my reign and my authority will never end. And Babylon's, the kingdom of Babylon will never be conquered. Okay, so he gathers all these leaders from the province and he demands their loyalty. He says, when you hear the music, bow down 
and worship the enemy. But not everybody bowed down. Look at verse 8. For this reason at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and brought charges against the Jews. They responded and said to Nebuchadnezzar the king, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the music should bow down and worship the image. But whoever does not fall down and worship the image should be thrown into a blazing furnace of fire. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. Okay, let's pause. I want you to notice a couple of things. Notice that it says certain Chaldeans knew that certain Jews didn't bow down. That's what it says. Certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon. It's almost like they were saying, um, Nebi, there are a few Jews that didn't bow down and uh, I just felt like you needed to know their names. Did you notice it said namely and then it said their names? Namely, I mean, if you would like to know the names, we could tell you their names if you just need to know their names or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, it's like they were after these guys, you know, and they're like, you, would you like to know how to spell it? They probably would have given him anything that they needed on these guys. You have to remember that Daniel and these three boys, during their time of training, when they were done, they were found to be 10 times better than all the wise men in the province of Babylon. Now think about that. Think about it. These, these four and these three that didn't bow down, but also Daniel, found to be 10 times better than all of the wise men which would include the Chaldeans, the magicians, the sorcerers, all those guys, okay? After Daniel interpreted this dream in chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar was so excited about it that he promoted Daniel to the ruler of all the province of Babylon and made him the chief prefect of all of the wise men of Babylon, okay? And then Ratshak and Benny, we know what those guys got. Those guys got a promotion too. Daniel requested, hey, since you've made me this, can I make this? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the guys that were just ratted on, those guys were made rulers, or they were made, um, they were placed over the administration of the whole province. Now think about it. This situation, this scene is not about religion. It was about politics. You guys see that? Now don't worry, I'm not going to talk about politics. But the Chaldeans had nothing else on their mind except for to oust these four boys who had been promoted. Okay, the second thing I want you to know is that Nebuchadnezzar clearly was unaware that these boys had bowed down. When the Chaldeans told him, they were like, he was like, what? He was mad. He said, bring those guys to me. Think about how many people were probably there uh, at this pagan worship service bowing down to this idol. It would have been easy, I'm, I'm imagining, it would have been easy to overlook three Jewish guys that didn't bow down. I mean, I really doubt that these guys were walking around with, you know, Jehovah is my homeboy shirts on, you know, with picket signs going around, heck no, we won't bow. They were probably, you know, they could have easily been missed. But they just stayed standing. It's like they didn't make a public scene about it. And please hear me. 
but they didn't hide it either. You guys hear what I'm saying? Nebuchadnezzar didn't know about it, so they didn't make a scene about it, but they didn't hide it either. They made their stand by just standing firm. Okay, now we, we recently went through the book of Ephesians and we, we heard all these wonderful things that Paul taught uh, the body of Christ uh, about how to live lives worthy of the calling that we've received in Christ Jesus. But in the last chapter, remember the last thing he says? He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. He says, put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. And then he says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this world's darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, take up the full armor of God when the day of evil comes. Be similar to a day of adversity, like we just talked about a second ago. He says, and then you will be able to stand your ground so that you will be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything you can to stand, stand firm then. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, day of evil or not? Yes. Hello? Yes. A day of adversity or not? Absolutely. And these guys knew, okay, even according to this verse, though this verse was written later, they knew there may be a bunch of, you know, Babylonian high ups gathered around worshiping this image, but there are far more rulers, authorities, and powers, spiritual forces, even higher up than them in the heavenly realms that are trying to pull us down. Because isn't that really what it's about? Isn't that really what it's about? It's about the enemy trying to bring us down. Okay? And they, they were just like, but we're just not going to let them do it. We're, gonna, we're not going to let the enemy pull us down. And so they didn't bow down. But then, these Chaldeans, politically minded, but obviously spiritually driven, singled these boys out and put them, on, put them in what I would call the, the first furnace. There's a furnace that they faced before they got into the one that was heated up seven times. And I need you to hear me on this. Look at verse 13. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is this true? Now you've got to give Nebuchadnezzar a little bit of credit. He didn't just take the Chaldeans' word for it. Is this true? He could have just started slicing and dicing, but he gave them an opportunity. Is this true? Now remember, these guys were promoted. They were administrators. They would have known, he would have known who these guys were. They would have had maybe not a tight relationship, but enough of a relationship where you go, guys, is this true? I mean, come on. I thought we had something good going here. Is this true? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the music, I want you to bow down, fall down, and, and worship the image I made. But if you do not worship, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing fire. It's like he's, guys, y'all heard the decree, right? We're going to burn you. It's like he was giving them a chance. Like, I like you guys. Come on. Then what, God, will be able to rescue from my hands? Come on, guys. Come on. I was reading uh, this week, and I'm just going to kind of sum this up with what Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon said. So y'all hear this. We can imagine the enormous pressure on Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to compromise everything in front of the king, in front of the furnace, all the music's going, all their compatriots, their competitors, all of it, listen, conspired to convince them to compromise. 
All of these things inspired to convince them to compromise. Yet God was more real to them than any of those things. Do not judge the situation by the king's threat or by the heat of the burning fiery furnace, but by the everlasting God and the eternal life which awaits you. Do not let the music or do not let the music affect you, but hearken to the music of the glorified. Men frown at you, but you see God smiling on you so that you are not moved. And I thought about how we all know this moment, this moment where whatever the situation is, there is this opportunity to compromise. And that opportunity didn't come out of anywhere. It's like he said, it was conspired to convince them to compromise. The enemy is always conspiring to convince us to compromise. We have to fight the compromise because the fiery furnace will only be fatal if our faith is already faint. We will compromise if our faith is already faint. So here's what I want to do, and we'll try to do this as quickly as possible. Because the question is, what are, what are indicators that my faith might be faint? If I know that I am going to face some difficulty that has the ability to literally rob my faith from me, like take me to the ground, burn me up, and leave a massive smell of smoke on me, how do I know if and when I'm ready for it? Because if I'm not, I want to be. Don't you guys want to be ready for any kind of thing that comes? Am I talking to the right crowd? <laughs> Don't you want to be ready for whatever trial is going to come? How do you know if your faith is not faint? I'm going to give you four things from this. There's probably a ton more, but four that are really obvious to me that you can write down. Okay, these will be little test points. Four indicators that my faith is not faith. Here's the first one. Right here in verse 16, it says that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. I don't think they were being cocky. I don't think they were being sarcastic. I don't think they were being malicious. I think they just stated the fact. Nebuchadnezzar, we do not have to defend ourselves in this matter. The first thing is this. Strong faith does not need to defend itself. I'm not going to expand on really any of these too much because they're not, there's nothing new. It's nothing that you haven't heard before from some other great preacher or this great preacher. You hear what I'm saying? That was a joke. You can laugh. Think about it. We know that. We see it all through Scripture. We know that, that Moses didn't have to defend himself before Pharaoh. Jesus didn't defend himself before Herod and Pilate. He, he, like we said earlier, he led to the slaughter like a lamb, but he stayed silent. Strong faith doesn't need to defend itself. Now, if you have 1 Peter chapter 3 in your mind where it says always be ready to make a defense, okay, that doesn't apply here because what that's saying is be ready to make a defense of anyone who asks the account of hope that's in you. Be ready, be gentle and reverent, but be ready to explain that. These guys, the Chaldeans, weren't looking for the hope in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were trying to rob the hope. So this doesn't apply there. If you, if you think there's a contradiction in Scripture there, there's not. Second Peter 4 says, always be ready to preach the word. Same idea. This, the defense that we're talking about is defending your actions, defending why you would do what you do as a believer in the way that you worship, in the way that you express yourself. 
Look at all this. Keep going. 17. If we're, he says, if we're, these guys said, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God that we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he doesn't, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. The second thing is this. Strong faith will confess its hope. Write that down. That's exactly what they're doing. Hey, we don't have to explain ourselves. And our God is able to deliver us from this. We just want to tell you. Who else is listening? Everybody that wants to conspire against us, we want you to know that our God can deliver us from this. And he will. You know what? Even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down and worship your gods. Whoa, what a profession. What a confession of hope. It says, and we looked at Hebrews uh, 10 last week, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. These guys weren't wavering. They were, they were confessing what they knew to be true about God. You guys think about it. In Romans chapter 10, it says, um, with your heart, a person believes, resulting in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. It has been our responsibility to confess Jesus, confess the Lord since day one of our salvation. Why would we stop now? It says at the end of all things, every knee will bow and every tongue confess. We're not going to stop then. Why would we stop in between? There's going to be plenty of conspirators, conspirators that are going to come and try to make us compromise. And when we do, and they will try all kinds of tactics, all kinds of tactics. If we stopped and, and took note of all the different tactics of the way the enemy's trying to make you compromise in your life right now, we would have an amazing and versatile list. Wouldn't you think? But what we're saying is, I don't need to explain myself. And I, what I will do, <clears throat> what I will do is I am going to confess the hope that is in me. That no matter what you're up to, the Lord will deliver me. And even if he doesn't, I'm good. I'm good. I was reminded of Paul's defense to Felix in Acts chapter 4. You might know the story. Paul had to defend himself or Paul was on trial and they were accusing him of of doing things. And really he was doing what they were accusing of, which was preaching the gospel. Think about it. And Paul says, listen, your your charges are false. And that's about all he said on that. Your, Your charges are false. But I do confess to you, however, that I worship the God of my fathers according to the way, which is what they called um, faith in Jesus, which they call a sect, but it's called the way. I believe everything that is laid down by the law and written in the prophets. And I have the same hope in God that they themselves cherish, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. This is the same thing that these guys had on on their mind. Listen, I don't need to defend myself. Okay, I, know, I confess my hope that God will deliver me. But even if he doesn't, same thing he's saying. There will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. Nebuchadnezzar, how will you fare? <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? They're like, we don't, even if he doesn't, we're good because we know that we are good with God. Let's keep going. In, in verse 19, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. Remember, he used to like them. Now he's kind of ticked. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual. Let me just tell you this, that the devil will always turn up the heat when you stay on your feet. These guys didn't bow. They stayed on their feet. And you can promise. I mean, you can, 
I promise you, that's what I'm trying to say, that when you choose not to bow down, that you stay on your feet, that you make your stand, you stand firm in the faith, that the enemy will turn up the heat. How many know what I'm talking about? Oh, it's so frustrating because you know you're doing the right thing by standing firm, but then it gets turned up even hotter and hotter. Why do you think he's doing that? Because he's doing everything that he can to make you recant. He's doing everything that he can to make you back off of serving our God and bowing down to his God. Of course he's going to turn up the heat. But when he does, where was I? Oh, I wasn't, I was, that was just a side note. Okay, and command, uh, verse 20 says, And he commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach and Abednego. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Like, you needed the strongest soldiers in your army to... I mean, it even says that these guys were wearing robes and trousers and turbans. I mean, they don't seem too fierce to me, you know what I mean? But they got the strongest men. And I thought about that. Here's the thing. People without faith do fear people with faith. This is the truth. People that do not have faith are afraid, in a sense, of those who do have faith. They see people of faith as dangerous. Again, Pharaoh saw Moses as dangerous. Herod saw Jesus as dangerous. And think about the first attempt on both of their lives was when? When they were young. When they were just babies. And, and listen, I wrote this big on my notes. It's the biggest thing I've ever written on a note. You see that? This is what I want to tell you. There is nothing more dangerous than a young person full of faith. Can you hear what I'm saying? If you are young, no, you guys love superheroes. And y'all want to be like, y'all want to be able to kick tail. Y'all want to be heroes. You want to be a hero? Grow in your faith. Because there's nothing more dangerous than a young person that is full of the Spirit, that is firm in their faith. Dangerous, I'm telling you. Now get ready because the fire's going to turn up. But you can handle it because you're a superhero. Okay, verse 21. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, and turbans, <laughs> and other clothes, whatever those were, scarves, and anyway, they were bound and thrown into the blazing fire. The king's command was so urgent and the fire so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. So the guys that are dragging in them, these strong soldiers, were burnt up. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell into the furnace. But then Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, hey, weren't there three men that were tied up? And thrown into the fire. And they said, certainly your majesty. There's three of them. He says, well, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. Man, we could, we could take that scripture and preach a whole sermon series on what it means to walk in the midst of the fire, unbound and unharmed. Which, by the way, I'll plug Kairos. That's what Kairos is for. To help us find those, those things in our heart and our lives, things said to us, done to us, things maybe we've done to ourselves, said to ourselves, that are keeping us from walking full of faith, full of victory. That's what Kairos is about. To, to help us uh, not be bound. You guys hear what I'm saying? Anyway, I'll, I'll, I'll just give you my third point. Strong faith will walk through the flames. Strong faith will walk through the, the flames. 
I want you to notice that it said that these, this, these three men fell into the blazing furnace. I'm sure that, you know, think about it. They're on the edge of this little, this little furnace here. And the guys that were bringing them, it was so hot. The soldiers were bringing them in, but then they melted. And so these guys were like, whoa, they got melted back there. But they fell into the flame. I mean, get the picture. You know what I mean? It's like, there's, this is a great scene here. It says that they fell into the blazing furnace. I couldn't help but rem- be reminded of what James says in one, uh, chapter 1, verse 2. My brothers, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. When you fall into, or when you happen into, or when trials come up, it's not like any, you know, you were, you guys hear what I'm saying? When you fall, when you, you just fall, how many of you ever just fell into a mess. How did I even get here? When that happens, he says, be full of joy. Okay? So, uh, strong faith will walk through the flame. I don't know why, but for, this, for some reason this, uh, this week, whenever I was thinking about this, I had an, uh, an image of the alternative. Okay? Because so clearly they were just walking around and, well, first notice that they didn't stay. They obviously fell, but they didn't stay down. That's good. I didn't even think about that. Okay? But they says that they're walking around the fire. As opposed to what? Like rolling around. Oh! Like we do, you know what I'm saying? I'm being figurative, but. Rolling around to despair. Oh, we're in the fire. We're in the fire. They could have easily done that. Freaking out by the flames. Freaking out by the heat. I don't, I don't think it's that they didn't feel the heat. I think it's that the heat didn't, uh, heat didn't affect them. Oh, oh! How many times have we been rolling around? Instead of walking around in the fire. And then at some point we're like, oh, oh, am I the only one not burning? <laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about? They didn't like, that, their first reaction wasn't to just roll around, you know, stop, drop, and roll in the fire. They hit their feet. Maybe they fell down for a second, but they got up and just started walking around. That's what we've got to do. Strong faith will walk through the flames. They're not going to roll around through the flames. Some of you guys roll around in the flames. You're rolling around full of despair. You're letting despair overtake you. And that's what you always do. But I'm telling you, if you're rolling around in despair of this situation, it ain't even that hot. When the seven times heated fiery furnace comes, you will be found faint. And that furnace will be fatal to you. And so you've got to learn how to, it doesn't matter what the flame is, what the fire is. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm an expert in this situation. That's my wife. It's like, yeah, that boy will roll around in the flames, screaming bloody murder. You know, ain't, ain't a hair on his head singed, but he's rolling around. I sympathize. I hear you. I was preaching to myself. But what I'm saying is we have the ability to learn and, and, and be firm in our faith through God's word to where when those things happen, it doesn't take us out. We choose to walk with Jesus. Did you notice this? He says, aren't, aren't, weren't there just three? Yeah, there were just three. Well, why am I seeing four? Four men walking around in the fire. And we don't know if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that there was a fourth person. But it doesn't matter if they knew. He was there. It doesn't matter if we could see him. Oh, look, there's Jesus walking with us. It doesn't matter. We know that he's there. I don't know if they saw him, but they knew he was there. How do we know? Because they had already confessed the hope in them before they got there. Are you picking this up? Because, boy, I'm laying it down. Hmm. Remember Isaiah 40, 
Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and they won't faint. Let's keep going. The last one. I'm, going to, I'm just going to go ahead and um, you know, read verse 6. Nebuchadnezzar, I'm trying to make this fast. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High, God. Well, that's a shift. <laughs> Y'all see the shift? Before they're like, we're going to kill you if you don't worship our gods. Now they're going, hey, you guys serve the Most High God. I love this. This is a great story. Why are they making this movie besides vegetables, you know? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High, come out. Come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, all these leaders, they saw that the fire had not harmed their their body, the hair on their head wasn't touched, their robes weren't scorched, Although they probably should have been if they're wearing those robes. Anyway. And there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and rescued his servants. This is what Nebuchadnezzar, you're going to learn next week, Nebuchadnezzar is just flat out crazy. Been worshiping too many false gods. But in this moment, he, he saw something and it shifted everything. And here's why. Number four. Strong faith will be infectious. Strong faith will be infectious. Strong faith in us, a faith that doesn't faint, will even affect ungodly rulers of this world. It will. It will. Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who sent his angels and rescued his servant. They trusted in him. And and now he starts preaching the sermon. They trusted in him and defied the king's command. Wait, that's me. But they did. You know what I mean? He's preaching it himself. And were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any gods except their own God. He's preaching the gospel. You hear it? Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against their God will be cut to pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. Which seems harsh, but remember, he's crazy. For no other God can save in this way. This came out of Nebuchadnezzar. His mouth. What? Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Remember what we said, the furnace of fire will only be fatal if your faith is already faint. These guys, let's recap. They were, they were strong in their faith. They didn't need to defend themselves. They were already strong in their faith, so they confessed their hope. They walked through the flames. Why? Because they weren't freaking out. They had faith. They weren't full of fear. They had faith, and they walked through the flames. And in the end, those actions were infectious. A strong faith will infect those around you. And if you think that you standing firm through a trial is all about you, it's not. And when you only think it's all about you, you present yourself with a choice not to go through it this way or not to go through it that way. But when you have God's heart and mind, you understand it's so important for me to come out of this furnace of fire, not smelling like smoke because I am a light. And I'm supposed to let my light 
shine in such a way that others will see my good works, what I'm doing, and glorify the Father who is in heaven. And that's what we see Nebuchadnezzar doing. Isn't that amazing? Let's stand. I did turn it into a 45-minute sermon, didn't I? Sorry. Listen, these things are important. They're practical. Sometimes we hear these sermons or we hear, hear things presented from the Word of God, and we, we may give it a little bit of application. But like, remember the two truths that I said. Look, everybody, we're not, gun, we're not done. The two truths that I said. You will go through a fire. You will face a furnace that is heated up seven times at some point. Could be in the near or the distant future. It doesn't matter. When you do, the other fact remains that it does not have to be fatal to your life. Do you hear what I'm saying? And I'll end with this. We, we have said that we, we firmly believe that we are somewhere in the end times, in the last days. I just really believe that, which means there is a furnace of fire coming upon this earth. I'll spare you the sermon on that, but you can go back and listen. It is going to get hot for the believers. So what does that tell us right now? That we need to mount up with wings as eagles. That we need to learn how to run and not grow weary and walk and not grow faint. Because only then will the fires that are coming not be fatal to our lives. Amen? Can I pray for you? All right, lift a hand to the Lord. Lord, we thank you.